Good morning. Welcome to Community Alliance Church. My name is Keith Kozik, and I'm the Associate Director of Youth Ministries, which is a real fancy way of saying the junior high youth pastor. So Pastor Denny had promised a special guest speaker at the 1045 service. I don't know what he, uh, he promised you guys. So those of you that showed up hoping for Francis Chan or Ravi Zacharias or Andy Stanley, I, uh, I'm sorry to disappoint you. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's ask him to bless our time. Lord, I, I just want to say what you want me to say. And no more and no less than that. And God, I just pray for my friends sitting out there. That God, you would speak to their hearts. That we would leave here changed. That you would reveal truth to our lives. And we would reflect you. And we'd live in the power of your spirit. I pray this all in your precious name. Amen. We're in Colossians chapter 1. If you want, if you want to turn there. And before I get rocking and rolling, i got to let you know that most of you know this about me, that I was born and raised in this church. And there's a lot of stories that have gone on in this church about things that I've done. And some of the, some of the people are laughing because they know that they're true. So when you hear these rumors about me, most of them are true. And I like to think of myself as, I wasn't really bad I was just mischievous. I mean, what kid doesn't like to have a little bit of fun? Especially what, what red-headed or red-blooded you know, American doesn't just like to have fun and, and push the limits a little bit? And that's just kind of who I was. I just pushed the limits a little bit. So I'm going to tell you a story about whenever I pushed the limits and maybe gotten a little, not so much trouble, but a little bit mischievous. So, but before I get rocking and rolling, I need to bring up this picture right here. And some of you are going to be like, why in the world is he talking about this person? This is Dwayne The Rock Johnson, all right? Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's actually a very accomplished person in his life. He played his football at the University of Miami, and he won national championships. But in this picture, he is doing what he's most noted for, which is being a studio wrestler. Yes, I'm going to talk about a studio wrestler. You can laugh at me right now. So he is a studio wrestler under the name of The Rock. And he is, you know, a very accomplished, very, you know, won numerous titles. And after he got, you know, kind of done with wrestling, he started to do movies. And he's in lots of action flicks and things, like real manly movies. He's in lots of things like that. And he is just a very accomplished person. Well, when I was about 17, 18, 19 years old, he was the biggest wrestler at that time. And me and my friends, we were pretty big into wrestling. And so The Rock was coming to Pittsburgh. But not in the capacity that you think he was coming to Pittsburgh. He was coming to a Pittsburgh Pirate baseball game. And he was coming on a Sunday afternoon to throw out the ceremonial first pitch. But before he threw out the ceremonial first pitch, he was at noon he was going to do a meet and greet with people where you could, you know, shake his hand, get an autograph, and do things like that. Well, it's Saturday night at about, probably about 12.30. Me and my friends decide, hey, let's go meet The Rock. That sounds like a great idea. Let's go down to Pittsburgh. Let's go to the game. Let's go meet The Rock. 
And so we stay up late making something, which I'll, I'll tell you about in a minute. We stay up late probably like 2, 3 in the morning making this thing. And then we wake up in the morning at 10.30, and we drive down to Pittsburgh. And so we skip church because that's what teenage boys do. We, we fly down to Pittsburgh. Like I said, we probably left around 10.30, and we probably got to Pittsburgh around 11 o'clock because we drive incredibly fast because that's what teenage mischievous boys do. And I am with my four friends. Well, three friends. I'm sorry, there's four of us total. Let me, let me get this right. Me, my brother Craig, who everyone refers to as Buck, my friend Jared, and our friend John. And we go down to Three Rivers Stadium, and we get there around 11 o'clock. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Three Rivers Stadium, PNC Park, or Heinz Field at around 11 o'clock when there's a 1.30 game. But an amazing thing happens. There is absolutely nobody there. I mean, there is nobody there. There's no workers there. There's nobody to buy tickets, popcorn, anything off of. And so as we're walking up to gate B, we're walking up, we go to the ticket place, and there's no one to buy tickets off of. There's nothing. And, there's some, and so we're talking to some people, do you know where we can buy tickets? They say, try gate C. So we say, okay. So we walk around, and we go to gate C. And we, as we're walking up the hill to get to, get to gate C, there's nobody there. And I mean nobody at the ticket counter, no security people, nobody, nobody except four mischievous boys walking towards gate C that just happens to be completely wide open. And so for four mischievous boys, we don't say anything. There's, there's no words said. We just keep walking towards the gate, walking towards the gate. Walk, and then we kind of look at each other like, the Lord provideth. That's what you think in your head. <laughs> and so we just walk right in. We walk right in. And once you're in, you are in. And so we are walking. We're just strolling right through. So we've trespassed and breaking and whatever you call. And so we're walking in, and we have this banner. Now, before I get to the banner, there's something important that you need to know. Now, the rock, he has this saying. Now, Pastor Denny would never do this. So he has this, this saying where he gets up on the ring post, and he used to say, do you smell what the rock is cooking? And all the fans would be like, wee, rock, wee. That's, that's how he respond. So we make this banner that says this. This is we were up late. Do you smell what the bucks are cooking? And so as we're walking in with our banner, it's pretty good, isn't it, huh? So we're walking in with this banner. And, and so th th this banner was so good that it actually, true story, it made Sports Center. All right, in the opening montage, right before it, it went into mon right into Sports Center, it, it, they showed, do you smell what the rock is? You know, do you smell what the bucks are cooking? See, Matt Clement isn't the only one to make Sports Center. See, you know, there's someone else here. And so, sorry, Matt. And so, you know, do you smell what the bucks are cooking? And so we're walking in with our banner, and we, and we come to this guy in a blue vest. And we're like, hey, man. And again, we're, again, we're mischievous. We're used to just blending in like we, we deserve to be there, like we meant to be there. And so we're like, hey, man, where can we hang our rock banner? And he's looking at it. I said, oh, that's really funny. He's like, you just hang it anywhere in the outfield. So we're like, okay. 
So we're walking around in the outfield, and initially we, we go to the first baseline or right field, and we're, you know, we're going to duct tape it up and, and figure it out. And then we're like, wait a second, no, 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 no. Let's hang it in left field because there's more right-handed batters. There's a better chance if there's a fly ball, it'll get on TV. There's a home run, someone will see it. He's like, that's awesome. So we, we go, and we, we're walking out the left field, and we get out the left field, and we're duct taping it up. We're getting this banner. It says these, we're getting it just how we like it. And all of a sudden, two guys in yellow security vests approach us. And they go, hey, what are you kids doing? And we're like, we're just hanging up our rock banner. You know, it's cool. Everything's right. And then they ask the question that we don't want them to ask. Hey, do you kids have tickets? And we're like, no. We don't have tickets. Nuts, nuts. And we're like, so at this point, we immediately change into the nicest kids in the world. No, sir, we do not have tickets. You know, these machines, like we can turn it on and off. So we're like, no, sir, we do not have tickets. No, not at all. He's like, you kids are in trouble. You come with me. And we're like, oh, no. And so as we're making this long stroll around that cement donut that was known as, you know, Three Rivers Stadium, we're walking down, and he's taking us to the security, you know, center. And, the, and there's that one part of your brain that starts thinking, you're an idiot. <laughs> you know, you broke and entered, you trespassed, you skipped church, you were speeding down here. Oh, how could you be so dumb? And then there's that mischievous side of my brain that's going, you can still get out of this, Keith. You still can. You can still get out of this. And me and my friends, again, we're used to getting out of, in and out of trouble. So we do what I, what I like to say. We go fishing. And we're trying to get any way out of this. So we start asking. We start, we start doing what you know, going fishing mischievous boys usually do. We start lying, okay? We start saying, sir, we were just going to hang the banner and then go out and buy tickets. And he knows we're lying. He's not buying any of it. And we're saying things like, sir, we were just excited that the rock was here. Like, he's our hero. We're, we're trying anything we can to get out of it. And they're not budging. They're not having any of it. And then one of us says something that finally gets the, f- the fish on the line. He goes, hey, the guy in the blue vest said we could hang the rock banner out here. And the two security guys stop and they look at us and they go, Jimmy said you could hang the blue, the rock banner out here. And we're like, oh my gosh, there's a chance. We've just caught the last boat out of Alcatraz. We've just got this right here. There's a chance. And without hesitation, all four of us, yeah, Jimmy said we could. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy's the guy in the blue vest. He's awesome, super nice guy. And so he gets on his CB and a great Pittsburghese accent goes, hey, Jimmy, did you uh, tell these kids they could hang this rock banner out here? And we're like, please, Jimmy, please, please. It comes across, yeah, I told them kids they could hide, the, hide that rock banner. And literally, in, internally, we are all now hugging each other. We're like, yes, we have gotten out of it yet once again. And so the security guard, super nice, everything changes. They're super nice to us. We just have to escort you out now. And totally understand, sir. We did not have tickets. We were negligent. You know, we're saying all these things. They kick us out, and we buy the tickets. And at that point, I didn't care to meet the rock. I was just like, so I went, and me and my friend Jared were sitting there. We went back, and we actually saw it, started to sit in the, in the ticket seats that we had bought. And we go, and we started talking to each other like, that was pretty stupid. And he's like, yeah. But he goes, yeah, but we got out of it like we always do. 
So I tell you that story, one, because it's funny, and two, because it just tells you that I'm, I'm mischievous, but three, because I'm going to tell you the truth. At that point in my life, seriously, this is what I was considering to doing. I, I wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to stand before people and tell people to do the right thing. And yet, I wasn't really doing that myself. And throughout that whole day, i got to be honest with you, never once, never once in my mind did I ever think, is this what God would want me to do? Would God want me to do this? Because I was too busy what doing what Keith wanted to do, and I was willing to lie, trespass, cheat, speed, do all kinds of dumb things. See, Colossians 1, verse, 20, verse 21 says this. It says, let me get on my notes here. It says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Is that not true? Is that not me? <laughs> I was alienated from God. And that's what sin does. Sin alienates you from God. Because why? Because in our minds, we're not thinking what God would want us to do. We're not thinking, hey, is this a good idea? Should I do this? No, we're thinking, oh, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. Sin is an arrogance and it alienates us from God. And so what happens is, is you start making dumb decisions like I did. And you alienate yourself from God. See, think about the most righteous, most holy, most wise, godly person you know. Go ahead, picture that person in your head. And you know what happens is they think all the time in their head, what would God want me to do? They're thinking that all the time. They're going, what would God want me to do in this situation? What would God want me to do in that situation? And you see that and you're like, I want to be like that. I, I, I want to be like that person because they're thinking God all the time. Because they want to be righteous. They want to be holy. Because in Romans 12 too, it says this, is that do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, that holy, righteous person that you know, they're, they're not conforming to the pattern. They're not doing what everyone else is doing. No, they've had their minds transformed. They didn't take some secret pill and just woke up one day and think what God wants them to do. They've asked God to keep renewing their minds and keep thinking what, God, help me to think what you want me to think. And they think that before they do anything, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to say? How do you want me to respond? And that's why they're not alienated from God. And in fact, the verse goes on to say, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's why that holy, righteous, wise person, they walk with such confidence because they know what God's will is for their lives. They know what God wants them to do, and that's what we want. All of us want to know, what does God want me to do? And in order to not be alienated, we need to be changed. We need to be changed into who God wants us to be. Now, most of us make New Year's resolutions. Is that not true? We, we make re New Year's resolutions to get better. No, nobody makes a New Year's resolution to be like, I really, you know, most resolutions are, I want to lose weight. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better wife, whatever. We, because we, we want to change and be more like God. We don't make or be a better person. We don't make New Year's resolutions to be worse. They're like, I really want to gain some weight. I want to be the worst husband ever. You know, we don't do those things. We want to improve we want to make ourselves better. 
And the highest goal, the highest achievement of any Christian is deep down in the pit of your soul. You want to be changed into who God wants you to be. That's what you want more than anything else, is to be, oh, I just want to be who God wants me to be more than anything else, to be changed into who God wants. And that, how that happens is by the renewing of your mind. But sin and doing what we want to do all the time, it alienates us from God. There's another way that alienates us from God. And as I was studying and, and re- really researching for this lesson, I found that Galatians 5.4 that there's another way that we can be alienated from God. It says, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. He says, you who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. So what does this mean? Well, if you're trying to earn your own righteousness, if you're trying to earn God's holiness, if you're trying to earn God's approval, that you're trying to be justified by the law. You're trying to earn something that what? Is a free gift. That's what grace is. Grace is when you deserve something bad. You deserve punishment. God says, no, no, no. I love you. I will take that punishment. And that's what Jesus dies on the cross for. You're alienated because you're trying to justify, trying to earn your own righteousness. Now, who were the kings of this? Well, the kings of this were the religious leaders the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they were the religious leaders in Jesus' time. And Jesus would often say things like this to them. He'd say, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me, and you worship me in vain. See, the religious people, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they knew the Bible better than anyone. They knew it way better than me. And what happens is, is they would try to earn their own, the righteousness, and they wanted people to say, look at that person. They're a really righteous person. They're really holy. And God would say, listen, you honor me with your lips, but really in your heart, you don't care about me. You don't care. You worship me in vain. Jesus would say other things to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He'd say, woe to you, you teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, You're like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. He'd say on the outside, people look at you and you're you're whitewashed and you're clean and you're pure. But on the inside, you're rotten. You're dead on the inside. Because why? Because they were trying to earn their own righteousness. They were trying to have people say, wow, look at that person. They were the people that showed up every day when the church was open. So people would think, oh, they're good people, and they know the Bible so well. But they were alienated from God. Why? Because their hearts weren't in tune with God. i got to be honest with you. I've been alienated from God before. And it happened when I was in college. I remember one time I was, I was reading my Bible. I was having my quiet time like, like a good youth ministry major would. I'm reading my Bible, and I'm praying. And I really felt like God spoke to my heart really just laid it upon my heart and really asked me this question, what are you doing? And God asked me what I'm doing. Well, I answered like a good youth ministry major What I said, God, I'm reading my Bible because I want to draw closer to you. I thought that was a pretty good answer. And God said to me, I remember he spoke to my heart and he said, you're just doing it to do it. 
And then he said to me, I don't feel like you really enjoy our relationship right now. That's what God spoke to my heart and said. Now, I'd, I'd love to say to you that, you know, I started to weep and I cried and I, and I begged for repentance. I was like, oh, God, who am I? I didn't. <laughs> I got mad. <laughs> I was like, God, what are you talking about? I, I was like, how many other people in youth ministry right now are reading their Bible or spending quiet time? How many other people on this hall spend quiet time with you every day, God? Not many. Not many of I know. And God, I am just trying to draw closer to you. And I just started thinking. I was frustrated. I'm like, God, why would you say that? And then I just slowly started asking myself some real questions like this. I said, Keith, do you have joy right now in your life? And I was real honest with myself, and I realized I didn't have joy. I said, Keith, do you have peace in your heart right now? And I realized I didn't. Do you feel free on the inside? I didn't. God was right. <laughs> I was alienated from God. Because why? Because I was doing it to do it. I was trying to earn my own righteousness. Listen. Some of you out there, you, you may feel that way. Go ahead, take a little inventory of yourself. Do you have joy right now? Do you have peace? Do you have hope? Do you have freedom? Because you may be like me in college. You know, you're reading your Bible, you're praying, you're trying to do what God wants, but really, you're trying to just earn God's grace. If coming to church sometimes seems tedious to you, if reading your Bible, it just seems like a bunch of do's and don'ts, and I know I should do this, but I really don't want to, I want to tell you this is the nicest, most loving way I can. There's a good chance you're alien from, alienated from God if you have no joy, peace, and it just seems tedious. But listen, you're looking at the club president, and we can all recover. Let's go to Colossians verse 1, or sorry, sorry chapter 1, verse 22. But now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. See, I was alienated from God. Why? Because of my own sin. I've been alienated from God because of trying to earn my own righteousness. But the greatest thing ever is that I've now been reconciled by Christ's physical body through death to present him holy in his sight. What has reconciled me? Now, reconciliation, let's, let's talk about that before I get cooking in that, how he's reconciled me, is that it's when you have a relationship that what? It's estranged, that it used to be close, that it needs to be reconciled, that it needs to be restored and made right. And so that's, that's what, you know, God wants to say, look, you're alienated. Maybe you realize right here, you're alienated. Here's the greatest thing. God wants to reconcile with you. He does. He wants that more than anything else. He wants to reconcile and make your relationship right, to restore you how you should be. He wants that. The thing you have to do is acknowledge that, listen, there may not be some things right in your life. There may be sin. You may be trying to earn your own righteousness. There may be other things, and God may be putting that on your heart, that you just have to accept it and say, God, I, I want to be reconciled with you. I want to be made right. See, there's lots of people that always ask me things like this and lots of kids because I'm a junior high youth pastor. Why did my parents get divorced? 
Why did my grandma die? Why did my mom have cancer? I, I get all these questions. You know what I always answer to them? I don't know. See, if we only focus on what Christ didn't do for us, you know, God, why did you allow this to happen, that to happen? So we can be bitter and angry and frustrated and jaded and cynical in our relationship with God. But this is what I always tell them, and this is what I want to tell you. This is what Jesus did do for you. He physically died on a cross for all your sins so you could be reconciled with him. So if you always look at this is what God did and why didn't God put me in this family and this, you can always look at that. But whatever underlining things you get frustrated with, I'm telling you, God reconciling your sin and dying from the cross, it trumps all of that. And when you're reconciled with God, you know what happens? You have joy, you have peace, you have hope, you have freedom. And that's deep down in your soul. That's what you want more than anything else is to feel that freedom that only God can give. And so when God looks down from heaven, he sees you as holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. He, he doesn't just look down and say, look, that guy, he, he was trying to earn his own righteousness. He was trying to do all these things, but I guess I'll forgive him. No, no, no. You start your journey of being a real Christian, which is what I said earlier on, is that you want to be holy and changed into who God wants you to be. That's why God put that within your heart. In your soul to be, I want to be changed into who God wants. That's because that's what you want more than anything else, and that's how God will view you, free from blemish and free from accusation. I know why Paul uses that term, accusation, because that's a big one. See, do you know what they call Satan in the King James Version of the Bible? They call him the accuser. They call him the accuser because he accuses people. And he wants to make you feel condemned. He makes you, wants to rob that freedom that God so wants to give you. Once you're reconciled with God, you have that joy, that peace, that freedom. And what happens is the accuser comes and wants to snag that from you. Why? Because if you feel accused, you won't be effective for God. And that's why he wants you to think things like, and you call yourself a Christian. He wants you to think things like, you said you were never going to do that again, but look, you're doing it again. Would your Christian friends want you, do you want your Christian friends to see you do that? And so we think things like this all the time. And you know what happens? Some of you for years have been beating yourselves up. And you've been, you've lost the freedom that God wants to give you. See, God doesn't accuse you. God doesn't condemn you. He reveals truth. He reveals truth, just like he did to me. He didn't say it in a condemning, accusing way. Keith, you know, you're just doing it to do it. He was revealing truth. Why? So I could be reconciled with him. He reveals truth so what? My mind can be renewed. Because when my mind's renewed, then I am changed to be who God wants me to be. We're in John chapter 8. You don't have to turn there. But I'm going to tell you this story where Jesus you know, dealt with people that were accusing and condemning people. Jesus was up on the Mount of Olives, it says, and, you know, he's spending his quiet time, and, and he's coming back down, and he's coming back down, he goes to the temple, and he's doing what Jesus does. He's preaching in the temple that day and, and speaking words and, and building people up and loving people, and he, he's revealing truth. 
And all of a sudden, the religious leaders show up, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They show up, and they're dragging this woman in. They drag her in. They throw her right in front of her. And they go, teacher, talking to Jesus, this woman was, we found her caught in adultery. She was caught in adultery. She's having sex outside of marriage. And according to the law of Moses, we're to stone her to death. But what do you say? Jesus, being the teacher that he is, senses the hostility, and it says that he does something really unique in the Bible. It says that he bent over and started playing in the dirt. And then he stands straight up. He looks at all the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he looks them right in the eye. He says, he who's without sin, let him cast the first stone. And then he goes back down to playing in the dirt. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they know, oh man, there's no comeback to that. <laughs> We've all sinned. So they're kind of looking at each other. They don't know what to do. And so sheepishly, <laughs> the oldest to the youngest, they start just walking away until it's Jesus sitting and playing in the dirt and the woman caught in adultery. John 8.10 says this. He, he stands up and he looks her right in the eye and he says, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said in verse 11. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, now go, leave your life of sin. He revealed the truth. That she was a sinner. And why? Because he wanted to reconcile with her. He wanted her to be able to feel free and have joy and have peace. That's what he wanted more than anything else. He wanted to have a right relationship with her. And that's why God reveals truth. Let's move on to Colossians 1.23, and i got to get moving here. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move out from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you have heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, which I, Paul, have become the servant. He says the big word here is if. If you continue in your faith, because we can abandon that. I got my illustration here. Everyone was asking, what's going to be your illustration? Here it is. This is just your plain, ordinary, everyday magnet. And magnets, they're just simple things. They are. They're not attracted to what? Wood. I could sit here and say, listen, you really need this wood in your life. It's going to make it better. It would never listen to it. I'd say, listen, this carpet, it looks really nice. It's really soft. Don't you want that? They would never listen to me. It's only interested in the things that will build it up, the things that will make it stronger, the things that will increase its magnetic force. And if we establish in our faith strong, we need to get the things that just build us up, that make us stronger. They're going to make us into who God wants us to be. So the reason why I picked this magnet is because why? It has a hole in it. And the hole can only be filled by a magnetic thing. And then it sticks. Just like there's a hole in your heart that only God, through reconciliation, only that fills you from within. 
And then once you're filled, established and firm, then God's going to put a love for other people on your heart. He's going to keep building on you, and he's going to give you a love and a passion for him and for the truth. And he's going to give you stability in your life that it doesn't matter because one day you're going to walk into a doctor's office, all of us, and you're going to get some news that you don't want to hear. You're going to hear this person has cancer. Maybe you have something wrong with you, and that's going to happen. But you're going to say, listen, it's okay. I'm established. I'm firm. I trust in God. See, God wants to give you, again, give you freedom, joy, peace, patience, kindness. He wants to keep building you and building you and building you. See, when you're this type of person, you know what happens? You're like the person I talked about earlier. The person that you look at and go, man, I want to be like that person. I want to be like that faithful person that has, they just seem like they just do what God wants all the time. And they think, what does God want me to do? Because God has just kept building upon them. Why? Because they're established in their faith and firm. Deep down in your heart and your soul, that's what you want more than anything else. You want to be like this. And you know what happens? Other people see that. They see you build up and they're like, I want that. I want that more than anything else in my life. And then you're that person that says, I want to be like that person that just thinks what God wants them to do. Folks, this is what the the church is supposed to look like. Us building each other up, loving each other, and just revealing truth to each other. This is what a church is supposed to look like. And then other people add their magnets, and look, it'll all stick together. Here's the truth, though. You can hear my lesson. You can choose to not be reconciled with God, and then you're back to this. And then you can go and do what the world tells you to do, and that's where it's said in Romans 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but you can go back to it. And you can try to have your money fulfill that hole in your heart. You can build that huge mansion that you've always wanted. You can have those relationships, friendships, even your family relations, try to have those fulfill you on the inside. You can get that car, that dream car that you've always wanted. But you know what's going to happen at the end of the day? Deep down in your soul, none of it's going to stick. It's true. Only God can fulfill you and give you joy, peace, freedom, and hope. Some of you, and i got to wrap this up, Some of you have been transformed by God. Some of you have been. And if that's you, don't ever lose what God's done for you. If you've been reconciled with God, there should be such a joy that swells up within you. Literally, you fall to your knees, you're like, God, thank you so much, God, because you saved me from myself, you saved me from my sin, you saved me from being alienated from you. God, I'm so thankful. Because the thankful heart, what? It's never jaded. It's never cynical. And it's always teachable. And if you're thankful to God, he will always reveal truth to you. 
And then you can be who Paul says, I'm sorry, what Paul says, you know, I've become a servant. You can become a servant of God because of the joy and the hope and the peace that God's given you. Or you can go back to this. You can go back to this. And this will always be in the pit of your soul that that stuff, you know, I, I just don't understand why it doesn't fulfill me. If I got this, I would just be happy. And you're going to miss out what God has for you. I want you guys to bow your heads and we're going to pray. Ask yourself, are you alienated from God? I want to give you the chance to be reconciled with God. All you have to do is say, God, I want to be reconciled with you. I want that joy, that freedom, that peace that only you can give. God, I want to be transformed into who you want me to be. Those of you that are out there that have been reconciled with God, don't let the enemy steal your joy. Always be grateful for what God has done for you, and then God will continue to teach you and renew your mind, and, you'll, and then he'll keep revealing truth so you can be who he wants you to be. And if that's you, just thank God. Say, God, thank you so much for what you've done. Let's close in one final prayer. God, I thank you so much for the words that you spoke, hopefully through me, that, that touch people's hearts. And by your spirit, God, I pray that you would give them more and more of you in their lives. That they would be who you want them to be. That they'd know that, that only you can reconcile them. Through your blood, through your grace, through your mercy. Not, they can't earn their own righteousness. And God, I just pray that people's lives would be transformed. That other people would look at it and say, I want what they have. I want that more than anything because that's what your soul wants more than anything, is to be who God wants you to be. God, help us to live righteous, free lives for you. In your precious name, amen.